This is Thinking to Think, the critical thinking podcast where we analyze topics such as civics, history, culture, philosophy, politics, and current events through a critical thinker's lens. I am your host, the social studies educator, Michael Antonio Aponte, also known as Mr. A. Every Sunday, we will have a new episode within these topics, as well as occasional special guests and recorded lectures with my students. So please subscribe, share, listen, and let's build a critical thinking society together. I have been doing something that is a bit taboo and crazy. I have been watching a lot more news And it dawned on me that politicians are counting on you to be more ignorant on the subject of civics. So it inspired me to give you a bit of a civics 101 lesson, types of government and what are the responsibilities of citizenship in a republic like the United States. You see, civics comes from the Latin word civis, which means citizen, and the concept of the terms citizen originated in ancient Greece around 590 BC and was adopted by the Romans. What most people don't know was that ancient Greek philosophers were also very skeptical of democracy. Despite having to somewhat invent the ideals, in Book 6 of the Republic, Plato described Socrates explaining the flaws of democracy by comparing a society to a ship. If you were heading out on a journey by sea, as Socrates, would, who would you ideally want deciding who was in charge of the vessel? Just anyone or people educated in the rules of demands of seafaring? And after a response from Adimantus, I believe, uh, I could be saying the name wrong, who Socrates was addressing, he answers, so why then we keep thinking that any old person should be fit to judge who should be a ruler of a country? And Socrates further points out that voting is a skill and not a random intuition. He went deeper as to say, Like any skill, it needs to be taught systemically to people. Systematically, excuse me, systematically to people. Citizens voting without an education is as irresponsible as putting them in charge of a ship and sailing them to Samos, a Greek island he was referring to, in a storm, no less. And we... Still see this here in America. See, politicians need to be more like snake oil salesmen rather than doctors, philosophers, and teachers. It is also easier for the political leaders that citizens not to be educated in the likes of critical thinking and have someone else do the heavy lifting of thoughts and ideas. That's why many of us well, many of you um, 
listening may have had a few, if not just one, civics class. But we'll have countless classes on critical theory types of classes so that you can know all the problems and know that you're a victim of that society. And that's it. Okay, that's basically um, learning learning to be victims. And well, hopefully this episode will at least point you to the right direction of resolution to a lot of problems that we do have. And citizenship is a republic. Uh, in a republic is very different than citizenship in a monarchy or a government with a totalitarian authority. You see, in a totalitarian government, you are simply a gear and a machine that is controlled by the leader. Now, I don't care if you are suggesting communism where, yes, the people are in control. Well, there's people that will have to make decisions for the good of the people, quote unquote, and they don't know you from a hole in the wall. So history does show that communism always leads to a totalitarian type of government. And I mean, we can, I could refer to many historical evidence of that, but this is not the episode for that. But I'm digressing. Now, in totalitarian governments, like I said, you're a gear in the machine. And either by divine right or elected by the elite or elected by the people who simply decide that elections don't work anymore once they're elected. Uh, so they remove it. Regardless of any type of government that's totalitarian, many countries even have a constitution that give rights to its people. But if you ever speak against the government, well, they would put you in a special camp to get re-educated, you know, like the gulags in, in the Soviet Union or the uh, re-education camps uh, in uh, different parts of, of China. Regardless, the, the person that owns that machine or the group that, earn, uh, that owns that machine will have will own the gears, will be able to move the gears around if they so choose, or simply throw the gear away if it can't conform to the machine. It can't fix it. You live, you die, water's still wet. Now, in a republic like the United States, the people elected a uh, a representative, we're currently in an election year, who they believe will look out for their best interests. And if we don't like them, well, we will speak out and protest as a peaceful assembly, as per our Bill of Rights, Uh, and we will speak out in our next election cycle. But citizenship is beyond just voting on who they represent. And there's a reason why so many people want to migrate to the United States and become American citizens. Sure, America is not perfect, but what country is? There is no perfect country, and if there was one, not only would the world know about it, 
most likely they would have no politicians, crime, uh, crime, poverty, and so on and so forth, all gone. And the perfect country would have to create an unlimited supply of resources to sustain itself in order to avoid messy negotiations with non-perfect countries. You know, that's uh, a lot of... um, I love Marvel movies, and um, Wakanda is a perfect example and how perfect the society is because of this almost vast, unlimited resource of um, vibranium. And this is like the source of all their success. But in a real society, you need trade because not one region of the world has all the resources. Okay, you have to work with other people regardless. So therefore, people are not perfect and things can get messy. So the perfect country would have to have this unlimited supply of resources to sustain itself. And then there are the ideas of the one world government, which everybody collectively puts in all the resources. And there's an elected group that runs everything. And I... I want to say I I believed it at a time for a long time until I did some research and some soul searching or deep thinking for my atheist listeners. And I do not believe someone from another country on another part of the planet would know what my loved ones would need. And I could even say the same thing for a heavy government within the United States. And we can have a debate about that, but this leads me back to citizenship. Now, this goes for documented and undocumented immigrants also, to some extent. Because citizenship includes being a productive and active member of society. They are obligated to know what's going on, not only on the federal level, but more importantly, on the local level. If you're community has a problem with law enforcement being abusive for example is it wise to complain to the president of the united states or the police department itself or the mayor of your city if you choose the mayor of your city you are correct the president represents the united states and the federal government not only well excuse me let me take a step back not the city or whatever you know state you're in he doesn't represent the like the local governments he's not a representative of that even though we're within the government within the federal level because we have separation of power separation of power doesn't give total uh, a total power to the president it doesn't work that way so you can't blame any president for all your problems it doesn't it just can't okay And yet, why is it when I listen to a press conference and I hear a congressman or woman speaking as if they hold all the power? This is a snake oil salesman tactic, making you believe that they have 
what you need, therefore you want it, despite never really having the authority or may not even know what you need. They're just saying it. In other words, many political leaders are counting on you to not know your civics. Another thing that applies to everyone, especially citizens, is the values that Americans were supposed to hold. Equality, justice, liberty. Although we say these things, it appears in today's society that may not be the case. Not because the government took them away. No. I believe because the people gave them away. We exchange equality for equity. Two different things which I will address in another lecture in the near future. We have had politicians break federal laws and all they had to do was apologize. Something that if you or I have done would have been put in jail and thrown away the key. Then there's liberty. Freedom. Well, the, sing, the, the signing of the Patriot Act after 9-11, the quarantine with no concrete data due to politics, and the government superseding the Constitution showed Americans how easy they are willing to give up freedom for security. This can be debated about in a future episode, and just to be clear, I still haven't finalized my own judgment on whether or not the lockdown was great or a terrible idea. Nevertheless, Americans, and this includes immigrants, have a duty to hold representatives accountable for anything. This includes peaceful assembly. Now, what are the characteristics of a good citizen in the United States? Well, in civic studies, there's 10, there's 10 that's listed. One, are responsible family members taking care of yourself and others, you know, loved ones. Respect and obey the law. Respect the rights and properties of others. Are loyal to and proud of their country. Take part in and improve life in their communities. Take an active part in their government. Use natural resources wisely. Are informed on key issues and willing to take a stand on these issues. Believe in equal opportunity for all people. Respect individual differences, points of view, and ways of life that are different from their own. Now, if I was to say this list to many young people, and maybe I've triggered some of you who are listening, uh, who may have not been taught proper civics, but rather activism through critical theory, I would be called a radical right-wing oppressor. But I look into history for evidence that may support or uh, disapprove. And the one citizen that stood out to me that held all these values, despite having significant pushback um, I would say would be Booker T. Washington and for those of you that have not heard of him uh, let me elaborate on Booker T. Washington Professor Washington was a former slave who had nothing and through hard work resilience, morals and pride turned into one of the most prominent figures in America 
He fought to get an education while working the coal mines as a child and then living on the streets. Eventually, while he was living on the streets trying to get an education, he went to uh, eventually he got his education and was appointed to create a school in Tuskegee, Alabama. He taught uh, former slaves and created a school from a barn to a major which now is a major institution that still stands today. This was during a time of civil unrest during the Reconstruction period after the Civil War. Despite this, he was admired by both the Southern whites, uh, who once owned slaves, black Americans, and the North. President Theodore Roosevelt invited Washington to dine with him at the White House, making Booker T. Washington the first African American to be invited to the White House, something that President Taft would soon follow. Booker T. Washington was also a family man who respected laws despite many Southern laws being racially against him. But in his autobiography, many prominent whites recognized that and would insist he joined them, which technically breaking the law, but Washington wasn't going to be rude to his host, which he stated frequently in his autobiography. He indirectly took part in government worked with the townspeople of Tuskegee and not only believed in equal opportunity for blacks but later poor whites but he created opportunities for the blacks former slaves and poor whites and if you want to know more about Booker T. Washington I highly highly recommend his book Up From Slavery which you can get at your local bookstore online or an audible if you want to if you'd rather have the audiobook so I end this lecture with this. What do you have to lose or gain for learning to become an educated and active citizen? A lot, I would say. But start with yourself. Take the time to learn what's going on around you. And I mean this locally. Family, friends, and especially yourself. Then look into your communities. What would you like to see improve and seek what works? And that will expand and will spread. And before you know it, you may be the next Booker T. Washington who started with self-improvement, then expanded into a legacy that lasted well over 100 years. Now, I want to apologize for the background noise in this episode. But um, I hope... I hope you take citizenship very seriously. And thank you again for listening. Thanks for listening to Thinking to Think with Mr. A. If you like our show and want to know more, check out my website in the description. Or please leave us a review on iTunes, Spotify, whichever platform you heard this episode. Please do not forget to share and spread the word. Join us next week where we will continue the fight to build a critical thinking society. Thank you and have a beautiful week.